0: Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.
1: Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak.
2: You never listen!
1: It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 108, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year-Streak. Without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Hello. Follow his work at thedraftnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Ben. How you doing, brother?
2: It's not as fun when you when you leave a space for me to do it. It's more fun when I interrupt you. I was gonna ruining, ruining my good time.
1: I'm gonna edit it. It's gonna be real nice and tight for you, Ben. If that makes you feel any Okay. Better.
2: Sweet. Either way, every day is a good day to be alive. I hate summer with a burning, fiery passion of a thousand <laughs> suns. I'm so ready for it to be over. I hate being sweaty. This is gross. I'm excited for preseason football. Was today, Wednesday? Tomorrow. Yeah. But also, it's preseason football, so I don't want to be excited about it because <laughs> it just feels gross.
1: I mean, you're, you're a draft guy. How do you not love preseason football? This is when... Well,
2: right. So this is the thing. It's like, I like it because I get to see all the bad players who I liked last year play football. But then also it's awful because I get like legitimately invested. Like when Brett Rippon, who I liked, threw a game winning touchdown to Juwan Winfrey, who I also liked when the Broncos beat the Falcons in the Hall of Fame game. Like I reacted like that was important to me. And it was. And this is a significant problem because
0: Because you shouldn't be
2: acting like these things are important to you. (laughs) This indicates a pathology.
1: I agree. I agree. I was very excited about Rippin. Me and me and Schofield were talking about it in the DM. We were like, "Look at our boy. We are right." The best
2: thing was. Objectively, not a very good ball. Did I care? No. Nope. Nope.
1: Like this is what it is—the
2: preseason, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. And we're going to be talking about some Eagles preseason here. We really don't have a main topic, but uh, I did go to to celebrate the start of the football season. I did go out to the bar last night and tie one on and had a really good time.
2: Is tie one on? Is that a is that with an idiom for? get hammered.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I told you about some of my struggles this morning before recording. Tasty. La- last night I'm at the bar, and these three guys walk in with this girl, and I guess they took issue with one of my buddies, my, my Russian buddy Alex, I guess was staring me. You have a the- Russian buddy? Yeah, of course. He's awesome. Ah. He's also, uh, he lived in New Talk York for a <laughs> I'll let them know you said that. So I guess uh, Alex was was looking at this girl a little hard when she walked in. They noticed it. They kind of took issue to it. Later on, that kind of uh, spilled over to the dartboards where Alex was playing with my Scottish SAS buddy.
2: I uh, have nothing to say to him.
1: Yeah, no. You don't want to say anything to him. But the problem is... The other guys didn't know that. They just saw this smallish Scottish guy. And I guess it got heated. And the, one of the guys punches the Scottish SAS guy in the face, just square in the mug. And the Scottish guy eats it, goes, are you done yet? Because I'm with some ladies and points at his watch and was dead serious. Like, I could kill you. I'm giving you the chance to like not do anything right now and just kind of let this let this blow over. The guy keeps talking smack and the guy goes, no, no, no. I'm serious. Are we going to fight or not? Because I could do either, but I would rather spend time I with you. Have to these schedule ladies. it.
2: Right, exactly. Like <laughs> I have an itinerary this evening. <laughs>
1: At that point, I was sitting down talking with this like six foot six, three hundred fifty pound former D two lineman. My friends are big, dude. <laughs> like I roll with a big crew, and he walks over, and they get they it's it finally blows over. They leave. I think Alex ended up talking with the girl for the rest of the night, which is funny because I guess he stole their girl, right? Because they didn't want to fight this Scottish guy. <laughs> so that was my night last night. Just wanted to get that quick story because that was one of the most bad. Things that I've seen just to get st-
2: I feel like, yeah, I feel like you have a very eclectic group of friends that would be fun <laughs> to hang out with. You know how much I enjoy, because we've done this before, you know how much I just objectively enjoy hanging out with, like, very drunk people in bars being totally sober. I find it very entertaining.
1: As you've done in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Right, exactly.
2: what I'm saying. So, I feel like this would be a good time. Next time I'm down in Florida.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, let's get to some football talk. And like I said before, we really don't have a main topic for the show. I just wanted to talk through some things, maybe recalibrate or reintroduce some of the takes that we have formulated throughout the offseason. And, of course, there was a preseason game to be played tomorrow, which is fun kind of eagles titans at the link game one doug says that he's not sure if wentz and the other starters will play i don't think many of them will including when I was looking back on last year's first preseason game to kind of gauge what happened there and maybe use it as a guide.
2: Was that against the, that uh, no, wasn't the Jets, who was that?
1: That was the Steelers. Steelers. The Joshua I, Dobbs. Was
2: my, it was my first ever time in, the in uh well not my first ever time because there was the practice, but it was my first time like at a game in the press box filming a financial.
1: How thrilling was it to see Landry Jones and Joshua Dobbs out there slinging the rock?
2: Uh, obviously objectively thrilling. What was the most fun part of that game? I don't know if you remember this. I threw a tweet up where I had highlighted a few names on the Eagles and the Steelers roster. But like, these are the players I'm really watching tonight. And people were, like, trying to figure out what the common thread was between them. And I just highlighted guys who had funny names. Right? And the tweet, like, I expected this should be, like, a stupid tweet that I think I'm an idiot. It got, like, significant run. Like, people were sharing it, like, asking questions and debating about things in the mentions. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm just here to be an idiot for fun. Yeah. But you guys keep doing what you're doing.
1: I'm getting these preseason jokes off. Yeah. So, Always. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In that game, so it was for the Steelers, it was Joshua Dobbs, Landry Jones. For the Eagles, it was Nate Sudfeld and Joe Callahan slinging it around. Sudfeld went 10 for 14, 140 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, up and down game for him. He would have better performances throughout the preseason. Callahan was at a cool 8 for 18. Very exciting for 91 yards. Leading rushers, Corey Clement, Josh Adams. They both have 30 yards, over five yards per carry. Who cares? Josh
2: Adams, the future 2018 rushing yards leader of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: I think that's when the hype train started because he he had over five yards per carry, something like that. Uh, The interesting part for me was Shelton Gibson as the lead receiver and I kind of touched on this with BLG under the framework of uh, training camp and kind of like tempering your expectations as far as like this is a great camp he will be good that's not always the case but Gibby had a good camp and was flashing more consistency he comes out in this game scores a touchdown connects on a deep pass and for a guy whose trump card in college was the deep threat stuff that was good to see uh, ultimately this, yeah it didn't translate but what did translate Goddard Four receptions, 66 yards and a touchdown. He's a beast.
2: Yeah, now I remember this now. And I was I was fully ready with every take in the <laughs> dude, in the chamber. I was ready to hit it.
1: I mean, he had a great camp. He showed it off in preseason from game one. And that's like confirmation bias 101 right there with him. He showed it in the regular season. So that kind of translated. Two other names on this receiving list that were interesting to me before I kind of get your take on this. But Bryce Treggs, he caught three for 39. I had a brief interaction with tracks. I don't know if you saw this uh on, on Twitter not too long ago, maybe about a year ago.
2: He's hot on Twitter, right? Like he's he's like constantly tweeting stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, he kind of he kind of took the summer off a little bit, which is weird. Like he's one of those dudes that how do I phrase this? Like never played meaningful snaps in the NFL but takes issue the amount of writers that didn't play at a high level before becoming writers, including women, which is fun. And I asked him if like, hey, are you going to like actually share your knowledge? Basically asking him, are you going to complain about it? Or are you going to do something about it? Because this is annoying because I didn't play at a high level and I talk about it. I'm a writer. What's what's the problem here? And like he said, he was going to start a podcast, and like it's a year later, I don't see a podcast. So good for you, Bryce. Way to be part of the solution. Your A career receptions are real teaching tape for guys like us. Anyway, the other name that I was going to mention from the receivers was DeAndre Carter, man, who I love. Like those people that you kind of fall in love with their story in the tra- in training camp, and then into the preseason, and they show a little bit. And I was a big. DeAndre Carter fan was really pulling for him to make this roster. He's still he's still kicking around, man.
2: Where is he? Is he, he in Houston now still?
1: Yeah, I think he's still in Houston. I haven't really seen what he's been doing in camp or anything like that. But, like, the point is, like, I, I, what, what, was it his dying mother that he promised that he was going to make it into the NFL? It was something like that, right?
2: It was something like that. I don't remember precisely who it was. All I remember or his is, brother. Right. All I remember is that he started that one game for, for the Eagles in, like, week two or three, whatever it was, like, the Bucks or the Titans. And people were over the moon for it. And like and at the end of the day, like hands up not sticking on the team, but you'd like to see that. Like it's very fun to root for those small guys and then have one of them be able to come up and like start a game for your team. Like that's that that's a fun part of fandom right there.
1: Do you have anybody like uh like a DeAndre Carter that you think has the potential to make you fall in love? Like is this the preseason where Ben really goes head over heels for like Greg Ward?
2: Well right, like uh no pump free. No, um that's <laughs> the thing is like the team it's hard because the team is so deep and it's so good. Like I'd love to tell you Greg Ward, but I, I know who five of the Eagles' rostered wide receivers are going to be already. Yeah. So you know, like it's it's there's so little space to, to warrant that player sticking. You know, like people are really big on Carlton Agadusi, right? Uh, Agadusi. I don't know how to pronounce it.
1: Agadisi. I'm not sure. He's a six six guy that uh, that BLG has been talking up. The coach has been talking up too.
2: Agadosi. Agadosi. Yeah, yeah you know, he's the Rutgers kid who came out in 2018, who is just super long, super tall, and Rutgers didn't have a quarterback that hit broadside of the barn. But the dude is the broadside of the barn; he's just a giant target. Yeah, like I, he's he's got he saw his practice squad eligibility, and so there's a chance you know we're we're still following him over the course of the next couple years. But it's Jeffrey, it's Deshaun Jackson, it's Nelson Aguilar, it's JJ Sigal Whiteside, and then it's very likely still Mac Hollins, even though this whole injury thing with Mac Collins is just. You know, out of this world. Yeah. So you know, it's hard to get stoked about the the you know like the the young players just because this team is so set and it's so deep at so many different spots. And so really, like, it'll probably end up being the preseason to Josh Sweat for me. He'll beat really bad second string tackles, and I will be very (laughs) excited about this, even (laughs) though it just confirms prior. It doesn't tell me anything I didn't already know about him. Yeah. Um. So that's the only player I could really envision, like getting super stoked for it. but then also like there's still like the players who like you know are going to be around who are here like you know like Sewell is still like a huge member of my brand you know what I mean like Dallas Goddard is still a huge member of my brand so like when those guys make plays in the preseason because they're going to have to play they're not like bona fide starters I'm going to be excited about that as well so it's easy to get excited about the preseason when you know a roster as well as we know the Eagles you know
1: yeah Joe Osman was probably going to be one of those guys too you mentioned Josh Sweat but Joe Osman, I don't think we've updated the listeners on this if you've been living under a rock, you might know that Osman tore his ACL during the Sunday practice, which was the one open to the fans, all the teammates, you know, coming over and, and wishing him well and, and all that stuff. And for what we heard, he was having a great camp. He was being, you know, he's really technically sound right. rusher who was set to take some some snaps. He was making this team. So it's really disappointing to see the Eagles struggle with the with injuries like that already. You already got Camus Gruje Hill dealing with a grade three MCL sprain which is bad, and and that is kind of what led to a take that we saw this morning from our friend Joe Giglio, who was just on a recent BJN radio special. I think up Joe. Yeah, from The Art of the Take. I, I, I like Joe. He gets a lot of guff and the whole sports talk radio stigma and, wow, and all guff. that stuff. No, he does. He, he, t- he takes a lot of crap because he's got takes and they're not always popular. I mean, I don't like this take. I don't agree with this take, but I'll say it anyway, and maybe we can talk about it because a lot of people, I mean, we get this question too, Ben. Like, should the Eagles... Trade for Jadavion Clowney, and what Joe said was, "quote Howie Roseman should be on the phone every day trying to trade for Jadavion Clowney." Unquote. So, number one, I kind of disagree with with the premise here. I 100% am sure that Howie Roseman has put in a call for Jadavion Clowney. They put in a call, and we've heard this before, on literally everyone doesn't matter if you're Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. It does not matter. They put calls in on everybody. So I'm sure that they have explored this. And I'm sure several of the GMs have as well. And what you do is you pull up to the house, you see the price tag on the house and you go, that's a beautiful house as way too expensive, especially when you're talking about, you know, Clowney's going to want something long term. So what's your take on the Clowney thing? Because I just don't think it's possible. It would be fun. But I don't think it's possible.
2: You got Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham in the building. You're gonna pay Clowney over twenty million per year to take snaps away from one of them. At least one. Because is also like a versatile dude, so potentially two. It's a hard sell. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta tell incumbents, guys you drafted high, guys you've extended, guys that you signed this year, you know, to decent sized deals in Malik Jackson. You got to stop and tell these players, "Hey, you know, like we we set up this team for you guys to play, and we sold you on this playing time and everything. But Clowney's available now, so we're gonna pay twenty million more uh, for somebody who's not you to play football. It's a hard sell, yeah. And it's just like it's, it's just from a team management locker room perspective, it's very difficult. Now, clown is also a tremendous talent. Every team in the league wants a Clowney. The Eagles are one of the few teams in the league who doesn't need a Clowney that badly. A and B." There's the potential that Clowney would not, I don't want to say make the team worse, it's too far, but you introduce another talent like that onto the defensive line and, you know, one month before the, the, the season actually starts, you're really putting your, your current depth on upheaval, disrupting what, what's been the established, you know, ones and twos. And that's a hard thing to do in, in August. You know, you only want to do that if you really need a jolt to the system. I don't really think the Eagles do.
1: And you're doing that schematically too because you're going to want to use Clowney in different ways. Like Clowney isn't your typical traditional type pass rusher. You do kind of want to move him around. And that's what Houston does with him too. I mean, he spent over 100 snaps as a quote-unquote linebacker in that system because they like to stand him up and have him shoot gaps. And it's super annoying because he's he's just crazy quick. Right. remember size. when we
2: previewed them and we were just like – you don't, I don't even know how you scheme to handle this dude because you just don't know where he's gonna be or what he's gonna do.
1: So he's a big pain. It would be fun for him to be on the Eagles, but I mean, that kind of feels like a Madden type situation. So that's not something that I see happening. In the future. Ben, you said you were writing or you have written an article for Bleeding Green Nation about the offense and how good you think it's going to be. Let's flip it back to the offensive side of the ball and uh, talk about some of the depth that you mentioned about the the about the preseason, which is why it's going to be exciting for us, because I do feel this team is deep and that does make it exciting. Like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to be fun to watch. In the preseason.
2: Right. West is going to be playing like corners who are not going to make rosters. It's going to be just obnoxious and not okay.
1: It's going to be hilarious because he's going to be mossing on all of them. And I'm going to hype up everyone as if that cornerback was Deion Sanders. This is what we do in the preseason, Ben.
2: Yeah. Welcome to August. Where (laughs) this is, this is, this is... Silly season. It's the most takey month of the year. (laughs) No. So, yeah. So, I have a a feature coming up on Bleeding Green Nation, which is just basically investigating the question how good exactly can the Eagles' offense be? You know, we had PFF come out and say the Eagles have the best offensive line in the league, they have the best receiving core in the league, they have the best defensive line in the league. Those are three things they are the best out in the league. That's kind of a lot, to them on the offense. We had, you know, uh, Kemski, who's covered the, the team now for a while, tweet out and say, like, this Eagles' offense, I can't remember seeing anything like it. They're deep and talented at the offensive line. They have an insane amount of resi- size and speed at the receiving weapons. they have the best running backs that they've had since Peterson was here. Wentz looks tremendous. Like This offense... You know, sky's the limit. Like, you know, it, it, it's no secret among people who cover the team and cover the league that the offense is, the potential there is, is is out of this world. And so the real question that I wanted to investigate was, well, like, just how good can this look like? And so there's a couple of ideas. I don't want to share all of them, so I want you to read the article. But I, I want to put it in, in perspective this way. Let's talk a little bit about Carson real quick. 2017, Carson went to the halfway poll. Eagles are 7-1. He's on pace for 4,200 passing yards, 38 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, and 400 running yards, which Mm -hmm. has never been done historically. We forget that in 2017, Carson was not on an MVP pace. He was on a, this season has never existed in the history of the NFL pace. And when you look at 42, 4,200, 38-9 Thirty-eight, nine, and four hundred over the course of sixteen games. If we're saying that he's going to be healthy for sixteen games, which you know is everything, not out of reach, right. not even remotely out of reach on this team. Let's not again through twenty-four games again the halfway poll of the twenty seventeen season. Carson went five hundred and forty completions, NFL record in his first twenty-four games. Nobody completed more passes. Carson also attempted top-five number of passes. But as we kind of talked about in a previous pod a couple weeks ago. The, the whole, like, managing his throwing arm isn't as much of an issue for me as it was when, like, mechanically there were some issues that he had in terms of accuracy. Now, like, you know, let him let him chuck it, let him sling it, let's let's throw the pill around the yard a little bit. Hmm. The ceiling for Carson, which people forget because of what happened in 2017, and I don't think people would forget it if Nick Foles had just, like, lost to the Atlanta Falcons, right? If Nick Foles just lost to the Atlanta Falcons, we'd all remember Carson's 2017 season as the pre-miracle to the miracle that eventually came, you know, in the Super Bowl, Carson's ceiling, productive-wise, is just... And, like, I, I'm I, a little scared of saying this, but I'm okay saying this. It's him and Mahomes and then the rest of the league, hmm. right? Maybe Breeze, but from a running game perspective, no. Um, but statistically, it's... Like, right now, it's very much so viewed like, all right, like, Mahomes is the aberration and the rest of the league is fighting for second. Statistically, if you look at Carson's 2017 and compared to Mahomes' 2018... There's no reason to believe that if Carson doesn't return to that form, then the league is Mahomes, Wentz, and everybody else. Right. In terms of statistical production of the quarterback position, which is fascinating to think about because there's been a lot of of coverage about the Eagles being a really good offense from a holistic perspective. And then there's been a lot of personal coverage on Mahomes. I don't think it should be surprising when Wentz and Mahomes are keeping pace with each other throughout the season, relatively. Yeah. You know, it's like, like I said, it's the two of them and then a clear step down to quarterback three from a production standpoint. I don't think that should surprise anybody. And I think it will surprise people. Yeah. Uh, so that item and figuring out just how statistically strong Carson Wentz is going to be is going to be fascinating. That's number one. The number two thing that I want to talk about, which is super interesting. Zach Ertz. Single season record. For a single season, uh, receptions for a tight end. Zach Ertz had 156 targets, which is also history for tight end. 116 receptions, six more than Jason Witten in 2012. It is the record. How likely is it that he is the highest reception leader for this team and the highest target receiver for this team over a 16 game season with Carson Wentz? I would argue, yes, it's still likely, but this circles back to the main point that we've been hitting home with Dallas Goddard, which is just. Is if Ertz is target one for this team, which last year he set the record for receiving for receptions and targets for tight end. If he's target one, which he is, I'm just so like I. They're talking more about twelve, but I'm just so worried that Dallas Goddard's gonna get five targets a game, and that's it. Five <laughs> targets, three receptions, thirty yards, go to bed, and that's all right. it's gonna be, right? Yeah. And so the most.
1: Did you see what Goddard said? Goddard said that he could start for right, twenty nine NFL teams. Which
2: my <laughs> goddamn hero, listen to me my king absolute go the heck off yeah Jordan Reed's been beat up OJ Howard you know he's been good but he hasn't really panned out yeah I'm the fourth best tight end in the league yeah been here for one year played significant snaps in six games brother I'm fourth what a hero
1: Ertz Kittle Kelsey Goddard that's what he's saying
2: and he even like he was like I'm not even sure on Kittle which is like (laughs) oh legend what an (laughs) absolute hero like Kittle sets like the single-season record for Yaps for like any player ever, not even yep. a tight end. God, it's like, I'm not positive that he's better than me, which is, again, like my absolute king. Um, yeah,
1: but go on. So,
2: so All right, so this but this stat from, from uh, Shio Kapadia. 43% of, of the snaps last year, the Eagles had at least two tight ends out on the field, uh, and then they ran the ball in those two to three to four, I guess, tight end sets. They ran the ball 40% of the time. Uh, which is second lowest in the league. Only the Chiefs were lower. So the Eagles are running 12 and 13 more than anybody else. And they're throwing out of 12 and 13 more than almost anybody else besides the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. And I think they were the second best team at throwing the ball from 12. I think the Chiefs were a little bit better. They used used 12 personnel for a lot of shot plays. But both are very effective with the pass from 12. Go ahead.
2: So if Goddard is going to be successful it's going to be, in the as a tight end two, it's going to be in this offense. There's no better offense to be a tight end two in, and there's probably no offense as a more talented tight end too. so good. But there's just a cap. There's a ceiling on how productive <laughs> that player can be. Unless, like, your primary target is going to be Ertz, and then, what, Alshon, and then Goddard. Like, Goddard's going to get targeted more than Deshaun. Which, another super interesting thing is... Like, right now, if I just, like, like, you know, like you don't get to look at anything, how many yards per catch will Deshaun Jackson get this year?
1: 14? Is that, like, usually, is that, like, round, rounder's average? Right. So,
2: this is the very interesting thing. 14 flat would be his second lowest number in his career. Mmm. Jackson averages over his career 17 yards per catch. You know how crazy that is? Oh, wow, he does. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> he had 18.9 last year. He's had four seasons above 18 yards per catch, which is crazy <laughs> bonkers. cuckoo bonkers. Yeah. Right? It's two. He, he averages two first downs a catch. <laughs> it's wild. It's great. And so, like Jackson, uh, the the best model for Jackson's upcoming season, in my opinion, is two thousand and ten, mm. where he had. 95 targets which is one of his lower numbers yep. he had 47 receptions his is his second lowest number of, of receptions in a season where he actually played a significant number of games and then had 22.5 yards per catch that's what his season's gonna look like
1: over a grand on 47 catches is, is wild I, I yes
2: wow right okay so 2009 yeah so Vic was on the team in, in 2009 but it was McNabb's last year so yes this was Vic's first year starting like this, it was really like backyard ball. You yeah. know what I mean, and that's 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 what we did potential for with Deshaun Jackson here. So anyway, just figuring out the Eagles' targets is generally impossible. Yeah, I've looked at it every which way. I can't do it. I give up. But the the the, the, the critical thing that I that I always come back to is either Dallas Goddard is getting an unprecedented, historically num- number of snaps and targets, like to the point where it's it's just a massive blip on a radar. Or he's going to disappoint statistically relative to expectation. I mm. expect his play to stay the same, but statistically he's going to disappoint relative to expectation. Fascinating thing to think of there. Third and final thing: Miles Sanders. I mean, we we talked about this. You know, we predicted for a while now. He's not going to start the season the starter. He's going to end up the season the starter in the middle.
1: Catching a lot of flack for calling Jordan Howard pedestrian on the Twitter.com, but I don't care. Right, Go but ahead.
2: Miles Sanders just like last notes. I've been talking for like tw- twelve minutes now. Miles Sanders. Um. <laughs> Best best running back that, that Doug Peterson's had here, yeah, potentially,
1: yeah, potentially. I think he's got a higher ceiling.
2: Yeah, obviously Ajayi was splitting time with uh, Blunt when he was here, but even if you if you com- if you combine Ajayi and and Blunt's numbers, that's like a true running back one. It's I don't think Sanders is going to do that, but there's a chance that Sanders comes in as a rookie and is just instantly the most productive back that's played here in the Doug Peterson era, which. Mm. Like I get that running back running the ball isn't super valuable, but
1: you have to do it sometimes.
2: If the Eagles have a, a back who can just like, I mean, Ajay was ripping off like he was at like four point five yards per carry, whatever it was. Like if you have a back that's regularly ripping off five plus yard carries, just give up. The RPO game is actually going to count now. It's not going just going to be like you know. You know, RPO to Josh Adam, oh no, like, Miles Sanders, a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's all very interesting. But anyway, so that post is going up. The thing that I, like, the, the main, and I, I, I'll say this, but please still read it. The the main conclusion that I reach is, like, it is unreasonable to expect the Eagles to be less than a top three offense, which oh, is yeah. just, it was insane to say. Like, it's yeah. unreasonable to expect him, them to be in the bottom 90% of the league, which you know, nine out of ten teams from the bottom ninety percent of league. So, so like, but but if you when you go through and you try to find a way to put them there, it's Carson Wentz injury or because they can survive an injury at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end, at offensive tackle, at offensive guard, at center.
1: Yeah. So it's Carson Wentz injury or bust. It might sound like a homer thing to say. Every smart analyst is saying it <laughs> as well. There's no reason for this team to not be a top three offense, barring injury. There is zero reason they are loaded with yeah. a very good quarterback that is capable of putting up monster stats with an excellent head coach, capable of putting together excellent game plans. So that's very exciting. The the, the one note that I had before we go to break here that I wanted to add on to what you were saying there – the whole Deshaun Jackson thing, that yards per catch. So it's interesting because you look at Carson Wentz, Wentz's like box score stats and you see like the sack rate only went up by like one percent from 2017 to 2018. However, when you look at like the under pressure stats, he took sacks at a six percent higher clip when under pressure from 2017 to 2018. So his sack avoidance wasn't what it was the year before, with the brace off, with the mobility. Doing the magic man thing that we all remember and then finding Deshaun Jackson down the field. I think we're gonna see more of that this year. And that is right. incredibly fun.
2: And and again, I, I just like I'm I'm very hesitant and very scared of, of getting soundbited by just saying, like when is is Mahomes, especially because we're the podcast. <laughs> but what people forget but Carson 2017 Carson was not doing the things 2018 Mahomes was does, period. But the person in 2017 who was closest. Yeah. To what Mahomes is doing in 2018? It's Carson. Who's Carson? Yeah, absolutely. So, like again, like the, who else can do no... it? Russell
1: Wilson. I mean, that's really that's a
0: short yeah. list.
2: And so, in terms of escapability, and then like Wentz's strength has always been just weird throws on the move at weird angles. Yeah. Out of out, out of, of context point. against his body, ill-advised decisions that apparently only he can can make come to fruition. The weakness was. You know, within rhythm, you know, uh, uh, mechanics working in the pocket, marrying footwork to, to rhythm, timing and reads, you know, North Dakota State coming out, whatever. Right. That, you know, 2016, that was the problem. 2017, significant improvements. Incredible. And then 2018, where, as many people pointed out, he was still statistically a very strong player. It was all that. It was all the weakness, which had been improved over the past couple years. Yeah. Now, if we're getting to a 2019 season where he's back to being able to do what he does super well, but the improvements in that in-the-pocket play have stuck since 2017, 2018. Again, this is why, like, okay, like, what's the ceiling for Carson Wentz? Ceiling for Carson Wentz is everything. It's the roof. It's just, like, like the, <laughs> it, 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 it's, you know, there's, there's very warranted fear about his health, and I acknowledge that. But, like, if we're just going to say, okay, the guys on the field for 16 games, what's happening? Um, Carson wants going to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. Carson Wentz going to be top one statistic quarterback in the league. It's just that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that thought. And we got we to gotta take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about preseason and things about preseason. And maybe we'll have some takes about preseason. That's
0: up next here on the and Solak Show. We'll be right back.
1: And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 108, brought to you by the Fine Folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's let's dial back in on the preseason game upcoming here quick before we go. Let, let's talk a little Titans. Guys that you might be looking forward to, guys that they drafted. Uh, they had a kind of a, a weird draft because they did the whole redshirt thing with Jeffrey Simmons, or it's going to be like a, a majority red shirt type thing for the Titans. They also drafted uh Nate Davis, the guard out of uh out of Charlotte, who I like. Big fan. He'll be going from tackle to guard. I think A.J. Brown, the wide receiver out of out of Mississippi that a lot of people liked, or Ole Miss that a lot of people liked, is a little banged up. I'm not sure if he's playing. I, I'd have to check on that. I haven't seen an injury report or anything like that. But in terms of like who you're looking forward to watch on the Titans, like is there anyone that kind of sticks out to you, like your three Corey Davis, who might not play or anything like that? Like Who are you kind of looking at for the Titans? Does anybody stand out?
2: Yeah, so I really like the Titans draft. I'm excited to see what Amani Hooker does. This oh. is the Iowa defensive back kid. Because their safety room is bananas. And so we got to figure out how we're getting him on the field. But I like him a fair bit.
1: Because they got Crookshank too last year.
2: Yeah, you know, he liked him. I was a fan of their their draft was the only draft last year where they never reached on a single pick. They picked relative to my board at value or better on every single selection. DeAndre Walker is going to be a a good test for Dillard. We didn't really talk about this, but this is fascinatingly worth note for Philly. According to uh, Zach Berman, Z Berm, who shout out Zach with the athletic now. Great dude uh Vaitai playing exclusively right guard mm-hmm. on thursday Diller playing left
1: tackle dude that's going to be great for as far as like film that we can like break down and whatnot like that's going to be right. one of the major takeaways that we'll have but here's
2: the thing if i like if we're talking about calling about Jadavian clowning if i am a a gm of the other 31 teams b in need of a tackle which is like 28 of them and what the eagles are playing hopefully Vaitai at a guard yeah you better but be calling talking. Right. Yeah. It's just like he's just he's just objectively not as valuable to us as a guard as he would be to other teams as a tackle, which is how trades work. Is when you have a player that's not as valuable to you as they would be to the other teams, so the other team gives you stuff for him, you know? And this is conditional on Dillard being able to beat tackle three, which is huge in the preseason. So this is this is a big preseason thing to watch. We've finally found one. Dillard being able to win at tackle three, left tackle survive in year one, which Dillard is a first round pick and it makes sense, but you and I would both say that's not locked in. We both think Dillard is a longer learning curve player than some right. other first-round tackles that you pick. Dillard's a guy who's going to come out of a Washington State system playing in the Pac-12, both of which will not resemble what he has to do with the NFL, so there's a significant technical switch. And then also, I don't think I think that that, that Dillard's athletic skill scouts are a better tool for the college game and not the NFL game, and he has to learn to be more physical and to win within a phone booth a little bit more. So mm. there's a chance that Dillard's out there, and Dillard does not look pretty as the Eagles' first-round 2019 pick heir to Jason Peters. There's a good chance that happens. In which case, keep Vitae. Dillard's off as a tackle four. That ain't no. That ain't no problem. That's not an issue. That's really okay. But let's say Dillard's strong at tackle three, Vitae at right guard. I mean, like sure, like the four games he played for Brandon Brooks in the regular season would be nice. But if he's going to be able to to fight for a starting tackle job for somebody else, send me an early day three pick and it's done. Yeah. Uh, and so watching, you know, you said watching tie guard is going to be very interesting. But DeAndre Walker, the outside backer for Georgia. Uh, from Georgia for the Titans against Dillard at left tackle is going to be an interesting one. And then, I don't know, we're probably not, like you said, we're not going to get Jeffrey Simmons. You know who we are going to get for the Titans' interior defensive line. I'm like 95% sure that they have, um, who is that kid that we really liked from Kansas City, that defensive tackle? He wore 90. He was here last year. But either they don't have anybody super exciting on the interior to match up against Vitai. But still, you know what I mean? If it's Vitai in a new position, it'll be interesting to watch. yeah. Hamilton was the kid's name. Moses' first name? Isn't that the play? Justin Hamilton. Remember um, Justin Hamilton
1: 2018? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's with Kansas City right now. He's but he was, in, he was in Philly. He was in Philly for 2017. He was kind of fun.
1: So that, yeah, that'll that be interesting to see, especially with Vitae guard. I think Vitae playing guard could revitalize his career, and he could actually be pretty useful there. Kick in. Revitalize.
2: More well, like vitalize his career. We, we, we never once were vitalized. And then left the vitalized state.
1: Let's get to some. Uh, I guess we'll do some predictions. Who do you think? Who do you think is the leading rusher for the Eagles this game?
2: I mean, like Josh Adams. Oh boy, just thrilling.
1: We got to do that again. Yeah. We got to do that whole Josh Adams is a future back thing again. It's gonna be fun. Why do we draft a cor- Why do we draft a running back round two when we have Josh What's Adams? That? I mean, but <laughs>
2: I will say if you're asking me, well, I think they managed Sanders because Sanders has been struggling to stay healthy. Yeah, but. Um, if you're asking me what running back Mike Rowe mentioned by name that he's excited to see on Thursday.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to place bets. That's smart. Insider knowledge. I know, but he's
2: going to get a lot of reps.
1: Yeah, I like that. What about What about receiving? Who do you think leads – in receiving is it is it jj i take a white side with four touchdowns that'd be amazing
2: i mean so who's sudfeld gonna like because sudfeld's playing yo
1: if they play cover if they play man cover one and it's jj on the outside sudfeld is going to chuck that thing up every single freaking time we know that well, about that's
2: him. the thing is that <laughs> sudfeld is not studfeld's not like a a, a a read the defense sort of fella right and he's a chuck it up there sort of fella. And so yeah it makes sense for a sick white side agadosi would be cool to see him lead, lead a game that make people excited Um, now I'll give it to our single wide side though it'd be fun to watch our single wide side have a a really strong preseason opening again that's one of my dudes Eagles have done a really good job drafting my dudes over the past few years except for Derek Barnett
1: I I just posted an article on three young players I have to step up Derek Barnett was part of that I don't care about his age he's in year three he's a first round pick it is time to go Derek it is time to go prove it because we have a decision to make on Barnett this has to be the year we have to pick up his fifth-year option after this year. So we need to know what kind of player he's going to be. He doesn't need to be a double-digit sack guy. Brandon Graham has showed us that. So He's going to
2: be a double-digit sack guy.
1: I mean, I don't think he's going to be either. I don't know why we're whispering. Everyone can hear this. But, Ben, uh, final prediction for the score and the winner. This is super important. I want you to take this very seriously. I know you've been researching this.
2: What was it?
1: What's the... (laughs) Prediction for the score. Do we know the line on this game? What's the line on this game?
2: There's no way they're actually making the lines for preseason. Oh, wait, they do. That's right. Titans, Eagles, betting line, preseason. Degenerates will oh bet God. on anything. exists. <laughs> Eagles should be heavily favored. Yeah. Eagles by three and a half.
1: Three and a half. Total
2: is 37. I'm taking the under, and I'm taking the Eagles.
1: Uh, I, I think uh, Sudfeld's going to go out there and sling the rock, baby. So I'm taking the over, even though the, the Titans are going to score like I don't know, three points this whole game. So it's going to have That's to be... That's the lead.
2: thing is, is the Eagles are so deep that they're going to have to put good players out there on the field. I don't think the same thing can be said for the Titans.
1: I don't want to be a coward, though. I'll take the over and I'll take the Eagles as Don't well. take the
2: over. It's the preseason, Michael.
1: I'm not putting any real money on it. This is preseason. I'd have to be a crazy degenerate to do that as I place my bet.
2: Dude, I'm still so not used to seeing Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. He literally looks like he's 12, which is coming from me. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just off photo of Kellen Moore.
1: Yeah, no problem. Ben, I think that's going to do it for this one. Would you say goodbye? Oh, quick programming note. BGN Radio with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowton, the official preview and recapping the last two days of training camp will be up tomorrow before the game sometime in the morning, maybe around noon sometime then. So look out for that. We got more content coming your way here on Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, say goodbye to all your friends that are in fact dental listeners.
2: Hello. Thank you for listening to the show. This is the final Kiss and Solex show before the preseason begins, which then means we will have only a few shows and then the season will begin. And then uh,
1: it gets really exciting exciting
2: because then there'll be football to talk about, which will be fun. Like I said, my feature going up for Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you swing by and see that. Mike and his three young players uh, that need to step up for the Eagles. That's also up at BleedingGreenNation.com if you enjoyed the podcast. And let's be honest, you did. Go ahead, leave a rating, a review, and a subscription on iTunes or whatever app you listen to your podcast or, you know, iTunes just because I don't look at the other ones. We are currently at, uh, we are at 1,033 five-star reviews, so now we're far enough away from 1,000. We're out of the, the honeymoon stage. We're out it's of the special. grace period. And now it's like, listen, why aren't we at 1,500? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and leave more five star ratings and reviews only ones that the uh, app will accept. I don't know why people have started doing that. I liked it better when we had like 9 900 five star reviews, like 12 four star reviews, six one star reviews and nothing else. Whoever's offering three star and two star reviews, stop that. You're not stop being helpful. Stop hedging. <laughs> stop being, you know, stop being wishy-washy. Stop being just okay with it and 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 pick. Have a take. five or one, but just five. So, <laughs> thank you. Uh, And we're friends, and and I'm Ben, and he's he's Mike, and thank you for listening.
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly.